Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad fo- Oh. I forgot I was on the internet for a minute. You just got called out. That's what she said. You will get made in the meat pies. Yes, come on! Come on. It's pretty absurd. Bad Philosophy, episode 30, recorded on April 19, 2009. It's a Ponzi scheme. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy. Coming at you once again for a live episode here. If you're uh, watching live on the Stickam stream, yay. We're only 10 minutes late this time, which is, is good for us relatively for a BF. This is our 30th episode, which means we have been going down a metric crap ton of rabbit trails and rabbit holes for a better part of a year now, I guess, isn't it? We're Not quite. I mean, I mean, we're over, over, half, a over year. half a year, but I wouldn't yeah. call it the better part of a year. No. So better part of the year is more like three quarters. Oh. Well, and, and better from another standpoint, like this isn't, hasn't actually been the better part of this. No. Anyways. We were, we were in 2008 <laughs> more than we've been in 2009. Right. We've got uh, just one guest on the show today, um, and I don't really even think he can be called a guest because it's Kevin. Hi. He <laughs> was, wasn't here last week, and uh, we sorely missed him, so we're going to get a double dose of him this week, <laughs> uh, doing kind of a, uh, a throwback episode to, if any of y'all are familiar with this, uh, Kevin did We've a, talked about it on the show before. Yeah, Kevin did a podcast called This Week at Texas Tech. Pretty good show, um, done through talk shoe, audio kind of sucked, but the content was good. And uh, what Kevin did essentially was read through the Daily Toreador, which is the Texas Tech campus newspaper, and uh, picked out articles that were of interest and of uh, comedic value in most cases. So what we're going to do today is kind of have him, uh, have him do his thing and use the Daily Toreador as a springboard for discussion. Because we kind of also want to talk about karma credits for uh, pollution and all of that. <laughs> a little bit later. I've not heard we'll called karma there. credits. I like karma that. Karma credits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to This Week at Texas Tech with Kevin Saunders. I'm your host, Kevin Saunders. That was, that was my intro. <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, I don't have a week's worth of DTs today because we just picked this one up about... Well, about an hour ago, whenever we picked, we got here for the thing. Uh, above the fold, we've got the PACS debate alcohol sales vote. I can actually show you this because we're on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, Political Action Committee is a PAC. Uh, right now in Lubbock, we've got uh, two big committees, T- Lubbock County Wins and Truth About Alcohol Sales, who are um, fighting for the right to sell beer and wine in Lubbock City or not. Um, Lubbock County Wins is obviously the one in favor of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Truth About Alcohol Sales is also called Lubbock County Loses. No. But uh, the thing about this is there was recently a debate held by the local area Republican women who hold, held a debate between the two committees. Um, and it's surprising that it's not mentioned in this article at all, so I'm going to talk about it, it, is Truth About Alcohol Sales or TOSS, which just sends back horrible, horrible memories to the fourth grade when I took the writing TOSS test. Uh, Homeschooled. I was eventually. <laughs> I'll talk about you in a minute on, yeah. outside the classroom. All right, all right. I got another, I got a thought about you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if I didn't get railed enough last week with the Jed's impression of me. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it personally. I was in there doing uh, like, yeah, way yeah, to go, yeah. Jed. I was like, is Jed doing Steven? <laughs> that, that was kind of the point. But anyways. Yeah. Has that so, been posted yet? Um, it is. On, if any of you all would like to watch the uh, Weekly Y number five, it's, it's up online on, on Stickamp's site. I haven't posted a, an official BF release about it, but it's, it's there. It's online for you to view in all its glory, and uh, <laughs> you get a lot of shots of Jed's shoes, thanks to uh, yours truly's camera work. 
Anyways. It's better this way. It, uh, I, I mean, Jed, you were a great host, but yeah. I, I'm really more concerned about him working the camera. Mm -hmm. But okay, so the, the, the political action committees. Uh, Truth About Alcohol Sales has recently got in a lot of trouble. Well, I like to call it trouble because I find them I've, annoying because of it. Anyway, they have been lying repeatedly about what this vote is about. The vote is about selling beer and wine in Lubbock County um, inside the city limits with, you know, like at grocery stores, at convenience stores, things like that. The big thing that Truth About Alcohol Sales does is they use the word liquor instead of alcohol. And they've done it a number of times. They got caught, some, they, um, they actually called, they had a, a call committee that called people, you know, being like, vote against alcohol or vote against liquor sales. Um, and they called someone from Lubbock County Winds, and they recorded the message. <laughs> and they actually say in the message, you know, do you want liquor sales in your city? And things like that. And that's what this is going to bring. Liquor being, you know, hard liquor as opposed to beer and wine, which is a very different thing. And, you know, I'm in favor of selling everything everywhere. Yeah. So it's, it's a minor detail to me, but, you know, it, we're trying to take baby steps. We've gone, you know, how long, 17 years without a vote on this in Lubbock. Yeah. We've petitioned for it a few times, but we've never actually had a vote until now. And they, so they, they said liquor sales in the thing. And then they recently sent out postcards to 25,000 homes in Lubbock that said, you know, this could be you. And it's a picture of a store that says, you know, beer, liquor, wine um, in Wolfrith, about 100 yards from a residence, a house, you know, residential area. Then mind you, the camera tricks, the camera angle sets it to make it look closer than it actually is. And the picture is actually Photoshopped. Um, they took this image and then changed the, the, the sign. They changed the color of the sign for no real reason. And then they said that the actual sign is, and they, there are pictures of it that you can go find. I've seen them on Fox News, uh, Good Morning Lubbock, every morning when I wake up and go to school. But it actually said, the actual says, says it's called Joe's, and it's like Joe's Mart or something. That's what mm -hmm. the middle part says, and it says beer and wine on either side of it, because that's all they sell. And ah, Wolfram. they don't actually sell liquor. No, because that's ah. not what Wolfram passed a very similar law not too long ago. Ours is actually based on theirs, if I'm not mistaken. And huh. they, they, they just, they, Truth About Alcohol Sales just doctored the photo and got caught doing it and have been saying, well, we were trying to improve the, the message, the intent, which is basically, mm. we were lying, but we don't want to admit it. Yeah. Uh, there's, the argument against this is it's very straw man. It's very, uh, it's very weak, very easy to defeat. And, and, and the simple fact is, all this is going to be doing is legalizing pretty much what already goes on. Um, everybody has alcohol in Lubbock. Big surprise. Um, most people on campus have... Yeah, <laughs> right, Jed. Jed just said, like, really? Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. If you were shocked by that, I apologize. Uh, you know, pick your jaw up off the floor, please. Even on campus here, and I won't say any specific names, but a lot of people have alcohol on campus. Big surprise. College students like to drink. We've known this for a few hundred <laughs> years or more. <laughs> um, so what, what all this is going to be doing is, is reducing the, the trip time, basically, for people to go and get alcohol, uh, now that we will have stores within the city limits, mm -hmm. which, in my opinion, and, and in the opinion of some of the advocate committees, is actually going to reduce the amount of uh, drunk driving accidents, because in this case, you only have to drive maybe a couple of blocks, and there's only that risk, yeah. versus driving down a major highway. Yeah. There's a Walmart and, within two blocks of campus. Right. You I can mean, walk drunk, and that's legal. Yeah. Um, so it's it's any of the arguments against it are are just religious bias masked in you know in, in these mm -hmm. these paper houses pretty much. 
So I, I expect I expect the vote to pass by incredible margins, uh, which it won't actually go into effect until November, right? Well, it's it will go into effect immediately, but immediately means that's when stores can apply for their licenses. Ah, but the licenses the license pass takes until, three to six months until uh, to get it. So and you the know, law the city is will probably drag their feet on that too. Probably, <laughs> but it's 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 one of the things. I mean, there are, there's more, many stores in the area are already preparing for it and getting their inventory, planning how they're going to shift their inventory, move mm. things around, to to make room for this because they expect it to win. Yep. Um, but oh, I, I, far. Just, just a few quotes I want to pull out because I always like making fun of little quotes people say. Uh, this is from Brant O'Hare, who's for Truth About Alcohol Sales. Um, said the stores that make up the liquor lobby do not live here. They don't own home, homes in Lubbock County. They don't have children in our schools. And they're not concerned with how their actions affect the vulnerability of our community. It's actually the vulnerable of our community, which I think is a mis. Well, the, like the vulnerable people. Yeah, I guess. But, you know, they left off but, the uh, the noun. <laughs> but the, the point of it is, is that they said the liquor lobby there again because mm -hmm. this is not a liquor vote. O'Hare also said the Cullen students voting will not vote because of the added convenience when they turn 21, but because the underage students know it would be more convenient for their friends that are older than 21 to buy it for them. Big surprise, this already happens. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the number of people who go, to, who go to the Strip and buy alcohol for underage people, I'm sure, is monstrous because there are a number of underage college students on tech and uh, at tech campus. But that's not going to change the amount of, the, the amount someone will drink will not increase or decrease mm. based on you know a 30 minute drive or a 10 minute drive yeah and then the, the last one is actually from Josh Allen co-chairman of Truth About Alcohol Sales says he encourages people to educate themselves about the issue and to contact both packs for information before they go out and cast their vote that's and a I good just, idea. But that's a good idea, yeah. except for the fact that Truth About Alcohol Sales lies. <laughs> yes. So you're not actually getting good information <laughs> if you try to seek it out. Yeah. Next story. This is the, the big story of the day, Outside the Classroom, which this isn't actually a news story. It's more of a human interest thing. Yes, it's a woman with a gun. Oh, I was thinking if it was somebody I knew, but uh, no. Uh, she's a high school student, so. Definitely not. Morgan Flournery. Flournoy. Flournoid? F-L-O-U-R-N-O-Y. Morgan. We're going to call her Morgan. Flournoy. Flournoy. Uh, this is actually her, her and her father. Mm. We're going to talk about their relationship in just a second. But this, this story is basically about a thing called TTUIST, Texas Tech University Independent School District, which is actually an online uh, program for K-12 education. And it's an accredited hmm. school from, you know, by, it's accredited by the state. It's the only one in, in the, only university program of, the, of its type accredited in the state. Interesting. Um, whereby students can, it's, it's all self-motivated, and they can go and they, they get classes and they get their diploma through Texas Tech University Online. Um, it's, it's interesting pointing out that uh, Flournoy completes her high school classwork from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. So she has time to spend with her dad. Hmm. So she does all of her work in the evening and basically lives the life of Riley the rest of the day. Um, who's Riley, by the way? And why can't he live his own life? Uh, what is that? Sorry. The life of Riley, it's, it's, a, it's a phraseology. It's just the, the relaxed life. I don't know oh, where it came from. I've just heard, heard other people use it, and, I, and it makes me it laugh. Says, I don't think it's a common idiom. I've never, I've never, never heard, heard it before. That? No, no. no. <laughs> anyone in the chat want to back me up? Is there anyone in the chat? <laughs> My mom. My mom. 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 This is one of the very first times I've said that. <laughs> But it's it's true. It's if not anyone, I think joke. I think your mom would be would be willing to back you up yeah. on that. Life of Riley, anything. <laughs> um, 
But 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah. That's four hours a day. She, she got she got Life O'Reilly? She said it's a very common idiot. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mother. It, it must be common in the <laughs> Dallas area because I never heard it in Austin. I'll put it that way. But so, I mean, so she basically said, like, what's cool is, I don't know if I did this, her father, um, who's also in this photo, is a private investigator. Yeah, okay, spent time with her dad, a local private investigator during the day. She mails in her completed coursework rather than sitting in a conventional high school classroom setting, which, please, if you have the chance to get out of a conventional high school classroom setting, do it, do it, do it, do it. So is this, this all correspondence? There's all not actually any classroom work involved? None whatsoever. Um, it's completely self-paced, which means you actually have to want to be educated to get it. Another plus in my mind. Right. Um, instead of going to class and being forced through the program, no child left behind. Well, it also means you can go faster if, Certainly. if you're... Uh, if, if you so desire, yeah. yeah. Or faster in certain areas. Like, mm -hmm. you may be able to complete all of your English before you, you complete all oh, your yeah, math definitely. and other things. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it is a fully accredited program, and it's, it's a well-rounded program. My um, mentor teacher actually grades stuff for the theater class oh, wow. for Texas Tech well, so, yeah, how would something like a theater class work through correspondence? Um, it's, it's very similar. Um, they, uh, one of the things they do is they go to a play. They go to a play in their area. They get a program. They mail it to her. They write a report on the play. Um, oh, so they don't actually she, Well, do... she'll, she'll do lessons. She does, um, well, she, I don't know if she does, but someone puts together lessons that they have to fill out, you know, uh -huh. informational things, fill out this worksheet, stuff like that. What about performance? Like, do they do, they do performances? Um, most of the or... stuff, I don't know on performance-based stuff. Uh -huh. However, they do write a play. One of the things that they're required to do is write a ten-minute play. Huh? Um, and and you know she uses them in her, the she has some of the plays as examples in her classroom that she when she's teaching playwriting in her classroom of the, you know these are plays that are written by people your age and some of them are really good, huh. uh, which is which is fun if not better. <laughs> well, better yeah. better than some of what we get, but that's yeah. again self-motivated. These are people who desire to learn and want to do this stuff yeah. and show that they want to do this. But this this um, Morgan is actually a student from Lubbock. She lives here in Lubbock and doesn't go to a single Lubbock school. She's, I mean, effectively you could say she's homeschooled, um, which is sort of a well, new branch of homeschooling. And it, not, a, not terribly new. I mean, this is well, sort of the, the yeah. style that I did. Um, okay. I actually, for, for the last uh, two or three years of my high school education, did distance learning courses through Texas Tech, okay. which was probably the, like, the progenitor of this, mm -hmm. this program, the you know, more comprehensive program. Well, this has been around and, since 93. Uh, 93, then, yeah. then it probably was that. Um, it was through the, the College of, of Distance Education or whatever. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't say but here who it comes I, from. I mean, I, I considered it independent education after about like 8th or ninth grade because yeah. we started going to, to co-ops okay. in, uh, in the Austin area. Mm -hmm. These were, they were actual classrooms. Like we had teachers. We had, um, like my Spanish teacher was a, a master's graduate from Southwestern University in Spanish. Uh, my math teacher was a mechanical engineering graduate from A&M. Yeah. Um, fantastic people running their own independent education operations. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, you know, well, we all meet at a church once a week and give homework for the rest of the time. And, yeah. And it, was, it worked. Oh, certainly. It worked really, really well. And, I, you know, it's... There's there's kind of that that stigma right around homeschooling still that. Well, know, there are those homeschooling at, families at home the whole time. Not the case, and I really value the the classroom experience I got through doing that mm -hmm. through the homeschooling and the co-ops, because it was, it was small class sizes. There was a lot more participation, and you were you were working with the professor rather than like independent yeah. and then presenting stuff. 
it was much more of a, of a community-based experience, mm -hmm. educational experience. Well, I did a similar thing with, um, with my science in high school, because my mother's not yeah. a science person, and there was a, a woman, I don't know if it's called a co-op or what, I mean, she just put together a school called the Circle of Sciences, mm -hmm. and she did stuff, I think, elementary through high school. I don't know how young she went, but she went pretty young. Um, teaching science classes, and that's all she did was she taught science. She actually had, you know, it was on a farm. Yeah. She didn't live there, but you know, she had a house nearby, and she taught science classes. And they, and you know, all of the stuff you get, chemistry, physics, um, biology, all the stuff you get in high school science classes through her. And uh, for the longest time, she was the only person who ran it. Her and her, you know, eight kids who yeah. helped put it together. <laughs> um, well, some of them, some of them helped more than others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were a nice, diverse family. <laughs> but that's how I learned science. And we met once a week, but it was much more useful for me in learning science than, than now I've not been in a high school science classroom, but then well, from what experience I've had in science, in high school classrooms, yeah. much more efficient mm -hmm. um, way of spending your time and stuff like this. I did want to point out that this, I don't think I mentioned it, you know, the, the daughter, father, PI sort of thing is very Veronica Mars. Um, huh. If you've if you've been a fan of that show, just check it out. I want to take some time. Yeah. I got the first couple of seasons. <laughs> um, great show, canceled far before its prime. Like most things, Dollhouse, not canceled yet. Not but canceled on its yet, way. But, uh, if anyway, it, if it makes it through the summer, I am going to be really happy. It'll be it'll be surprising. <laughs> but anyway, so but it's it's you know she. I'm, I'm sure she helps her dad on investigations and stuff. Like, not, mm. not officially, but, you know, it goes out and follows him around. And she's actually going into forensic because of this stuff. So do we want to jump into the uh, green I, I, want, I want to skip that one. I would, that. Let's save right. that one. I had, I had another thing that I want to talk about, which is the, uh, the oh-duh moment of the week. <laughs> well, maybe it, some of these were surprising to me. There was apparently a health fair recently um, put together by student organizations. It doesn't say which two. Um, oh no, Double T Health Service Corps and the Mentor Tech teamed up to shed light uh. on things. However, it's, it's worth pointing out, this, this is a, um, a statement of thing. Neither of the student organizations were qualified to give medical advice, Davey said. What? That's a statement. <laughs> However, it says, so health professionals were brought in to raise awareness about common health risks. But just, that's a complete statement. What? Because <laughs> they put this together after they saw their friends and peers engaging in risky behavior health-wise. Right. You know, tanning beds and drinking and having sex. But here are some fun sex statistics from the American Council of Drug Education. Sex statistics. <laughs> About 70% of college students admit to having engaged in sexual activity primarily as a result of being under the influence of alcohol. Yeah. Which, I don't know, that number surprised me. We, we, don't, we don't tend to get together unless we're drunk. I'm much more of a goody-two-shoes and, <laughs> and, and have honestly never engaged in any sexual activity while drunk. There you go, Mom. <laughs> That's true. It's okay. Have you? <laughs> I don't care. What's great is we do have people walking by us here. With getting, getting, um, not only do we have the, the Web 2.0 interaction, but we've got yeah. some you know, Web 0.0 interaction, too. <laughs> uh, what was, there was another one in here that was good. Um, well, this I just, just want to comment on that. Yeah. Like, like that, that by, from what I've seen, yeah. that's completely true. Okay. Um, and I, I, it's like people have to be drinking in order to feel any sort of connection to each other and i That's it's sad weird. it is really really freaking sad that we can't you know have parties or uh, physical interaction of any kind without a little bit of alcohol involved um 
Hmm. Usually that's that's the minimum, you know. Usually yeah. it's alcohol and drugs and whatever else. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it's a, I, you know, we, we're so we're all alone together, and we <laughs> we only like break down our psychological barriers when we're impaired. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm I'm I've always kept my my personal relationships mm-hmm. away from alcohol and things of that nature because that just seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know, those those things I don't mix. But in many cases, I'm the exception, not the rule. (laughs) (laughs) So what what else? The the, the last one here was... There was another quote here. There was one more statistic. It's female college freshmen are at the highest risk for sexual assault between the first day of school and Thanksgiving break. Which is an interesting statistic. And I'm not saying Hmm. it's untrue. I, I do find it interesting. You know me in statistics, episode zero. Um, it doesn't say what the risk is. Yeah, what's the... What's the... the what's well, the no, criteria? No, no, I know, I know no, what's the, the criteria what is, for what risk? What is the high risk? You yeah. know, what is that percentage? You know, one in a thousand or one in ten? Okay, yeah. so it's, they're at the most risk at this chance. We're talking about a statistic about a really? statistic. It's really, like, second order. Jed's saying one in four... Yeah, but what is what is at risk? Like, does that mean that one in four will be a victim of sexual assault during that period of time, or that the the likelihood is very high during? I don't. That I don't know. I, it's one, just not that you can hear my audio. Yeah, but we can translate for you. Yeah. Okay, Which one one in four college age women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. I don't. And that's pretty sure. That's it's it's close enough for government work. Yeah. During orientation, y'all probably had a session that you talked about campus crimes happening. So whether that was things like violent crimes and they, because of FERPA and other laws, they had to report those. The campus PD has to report those. Other things that they probably discussed would have been sexual assault and how it happens. And that's one of the national statistics is that um, one in four women and one in 10 men that go to college will be, will have some sort of a sexual assault situation in their lifetime in, <laughs> like uh during so one, I, one in ten one in ten rate for for bro rate <laughs> yes okay mm-hmm. I, it's one in ten or one in twelve i'm sorry I'm, it's been a while that's yeah, that's actually surprising fun. like Surpri- yeah that that it's that high for men as well yeah so um think that's all i have to say okay i i still like i agree with you kevin though like what qualifies as sexual assault is sometimes a little bit iffy um, Not that I want to come down on the side of a se- of sexual assault. No, in but, this but argument. like it's it's again it's distorting the statistics. It's it's essentially you know we're lying, but we don't want you to find out. It's and, a, you know we're 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 twisting things just a little to make our issue more uh, serious. You know, I'm, more, I'm just I'm very cautious of fear tactics yeah. in this sort of respect because it is something that people are afraid of, and I want them to be afraid rightfully rightfully yeah. afraid rather than, than misinformation to death. Well, it's, again, it's like the going back to peanut allergies kill more people than terrorism sort of a thing. Vending machines kill more people than bears. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, our, our, we have such a distorted, like, swimming pools kill more people, kill more children than gun accidents. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we have all this fear over, you know, don't have a gun in your house because yeah. your kid might find it and shoot himself. Like, the, the, that's... the society of fear is, is a very interesting phenomenon because we, we tend to be afraid of things that are rare. Yeah. Columbine happened. Columbine is a horrible, horrible thing that happened. Um, the Virginia Tech shootings. like. Well, the, yeah, but uh, Columbine yeah. is the one that started this. Right, right. And Columbine was broadcast live, and that was 
why it was such a big deal, at least in my opinion. And I watched it. I mean, I was at home. We were homeschooled at the time, and I was watching this as it unfolded live. And it was a very, very scary, horrible thing that happened. But immediately after that, we became afraid of that happening everywhere. Yeah. And we, that's, it, not long after, we had zero-tolerance policies enacted, which were actually very useless and things like that. And, and it's because this this fear tactic. But again, you know, your student is more likely to be to die in a drunk driving accident than in a school shooting. And even that yeah. statistic is relatively low. So it's that we are afraid of the unusual. Yeah. Well, and the, and the really, like, extreme. Mm-hmm. Not extremely unusual, but the extreme unusual things. You know, a meteorite hitting us. <laughs> like... A, uh, a school shooting, you know, a terrorist bombing, whatever. Yeah. Um, these are, you know, they're really, like, impactful events. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's nothing really exciting about drowning in a pool, I guess. No. <laughs> so there doesn't... <laughs> I mean, granted, I, I don't think it would be exciting for the person who's actually drowning. Well, but it, they would be not, excited. They, would they be, wouldn't yes. be happy. No. Um, and, it, and there's, nothing, there's nothing really that, that... It doesn't produce the same emotional response as mm-hmm. you know, these extremely violent ways of dying. So, yeah. how, how do we get... I guess just statistics Just again. statistics and okay. stuff. And, and let, let, let's go ahead and idea. move on. Because I think we've talked about this before on a different episode. But. Uh, we've talked about everything before on a different episode. <laughs> um, the last three pages of the... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do opinions because Stephen's column's in here. But the last three pages of the paper are about sports, and as my longtime listeners know, I don't care about sports. So we're going back to the very front page. Tech administrators unveiled the campus green plan. Now, to say they unveiled is a little bit... Um, Generous. Inaccurate. <laughs> because the symposium produced two ideas to submit to Bailey, Bailey being Guy Bailey, our tech president. By the okay, way, which one's higher, chancellor or president? Chancellor. Chancellor, yes. It goes chancellor, president, then like the provost, mm-hmm. and then the vice provost, then the deans, then yeah, yeah. pretty much. The chancellor okay. spoke to me recently, actually. Shook his hand. Really? Yeah, did, Friday. Did he speak at you or with you? Yeah, he said, he said congratulations to me. Uh, for? Phi Beta Kappa. Oh, right. He was Induction, yeah. 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 So I got to shake his hand. I got a picture of him. Cool. Um, with me, not just like a picture of them. You can get those off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the ideas were proposed at the symposium. However, they did not want to release the recommendations before the president used them. So the plan was unveiled, or more specifically, it was unveiled that we have a plan. Ah. Uh, <laughs> deja vu to John yeah. Kerry. However, I do like, um, and this is completely unrelated, I love the fact that our president is named Guy. Which is the best, like, generic name in the world. Because yeah. you have to say, I'm going to name my child Boy. <laughs> yeah. Male. Male Torrance. That's going to be your name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy, I'm sure. And he's a great guy. <laughs> However, it's just, it's one of those things that I've always enjoyed. It. The, the best usage of it was, um, nerd alert, Galaxy Quest, the movie with... Uh, yes. Um, Tim the, Allen, the, Sigourney the Weaver. Trek parody with, yeah. Satire, but yes. Okay, Star Trek satire. We've talked about the difference. Right, right. right. <laughs> um, um, but the, the red shirt character is named Guy. Guy, yeah. Which is just like, whatever. <laughs> but um, uh, two things. The most politically green jargon quote ever from Michael Ellicott, 
said, I think that we learned this week sustainability is good business, he said. You can make business case for investing in sustainable operations. It's good, good stewardship. We need to preserve our future resources. So, in fact, there is a future, and sustainability is a good citizenship. We've got our resources, and let's use them to help the country succeed. I admitted some periods, but you get the point. You know, really, if we, if we had the, uh, the buzzword wristwatch from ThinkGeek, I think he would be convulsing on the ground right now for that. <laughs> that was, was that an inordinate dense density of buzzwords. He said sustainability right like four times. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, I would, I would like to point out that sustain, sustainability is not good business necessarily, because if it was good business, everyone would do it. It's good PR, which is not the same it's thing as yeah, good business. it's extremely good PR. What's, I mean, being environmentally conscious is not cheap. No, um, it actually know, designing... costs money. It's, it's less money efficient than being environmentally unproductive. Right. I mean, if it, if it were the, the right business plan, then all the companies would already be doing it. Yes. Well, yeah. the, 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 the point that was brought to me by Penn & Teller uh, on their show BS, which is a beautiful show most of the time, but they had a one on recycling. Yeah, that works. BS, beautiful show. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It is. Penn and Teller's beautiful show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you believe that's what the acronym means. They, um, <laughs> it, it's Bulls Hit. That's what they did on the radio program. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, they talked about recycling and how if recycling were profitable, hobos would pick water bottles and newspapers out of the trash instead of cans. <laughs> Recycling cans is, is, is profitable. We can make money doing it. It is, a, it is a process that uses fewer resources than it creates. Mm -hmm. Recycling water bottles, recycling newspapers, recycling anything that isn't based or glass is all less efficient. We have to use more resources to recycle something than to create it from scratch. Yep, yep. That's economics, I'm sorry. Yeah. Jed's giving me the evil eye over here. <laughs> Well, and now here's what here's what a lot of companies are doing, though. To well, not companies necessarily, but um, what a lot of government organizations are doing to try to combat this is implementing sort of a tax, a sin tax for pollution, for uh, for environmentally unconscious practices, and uh, you know, call them karma credits, green credits, whatever. It's basically a way for for companies to pay money to engage to continue to engage in environmentally questionable acts mm -hmm. and uh, you know not basically not spend that money to to get yeah. sustainable to get environmentally conscious to just basically go on doing what they're doing mm. um, in many cases this is a way for both governments and companies to remove their guilt because the governments go look we're regulating these companies and we're keeping them you know from being we're, we're, we're punishing them for being environmentally damaging and it's a way for companies to go, look, you know, we're, uh, we're supporting environmental causes through these taxes that go to well, whatever. The thing is, but uh, okay. I want to continue. In many cases, the taxes are not significant in, in the sense that they don't, the taxes on, on polluting do not outweigh the cost that it would take for the companies to uh, reform their business practices to be environmentally conscious. Mm -hmm. So it's more economical for the companies to just pay the tax than to actually spend the money on changing their practices. No. That, that's, that's a problem. There is a bigger problem with carbon offset credits, which is the official name. Okay. Um, there is a, the bigger problem with carbon offset credits is they are not actually government regulated. And I'm not in favor of government regulation, but they're uh. not regulated at all. Anybody can set up a carbon credit organization. You know who has the, one of the biggest ones in the world? Al Gore. 
seriously, look it up. Um, and, and what you do is you buy carbon offsets. You know, it's, we, statistics show we spend, we, we, each person in the world admits 100, or in America, not mm -hmm. the world, admits or is responsible for 133 pounds of CO2 in the atmosphere every day. I'm not going to argue with that because I don't know the science behind it, but it may be good, it may be bad. Yeah, you're it's, responsible it's an average. for a few pounds just for through breathing. Yeah. But, yeah. So you're responsible for, <laughs> you, you, you put this much into the atmosphere every day. And you can buy a credit for this amount. And you will pay someone, you know, a dollar, just to say, that is, and that, and that dollar will be used to, and this is the key point on carbon credits. People who, who accept carbon credits say that this money will, at some point in the future, be used to invest in studying potentially environmentally friendly practices. <laughs> it's a Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme. Wow. <laughs> Anyone can set them up. Al Gore buys enough carbon credits from himself to offset all of the stuff. Have you seen the, the, the email that goes around about Bush's ranch versus uh, Gore's house uh -oh. and how much electricity they use? Gore uses like five times as much uh, resources <laughs> at his place. Well, now that Bush is actually going to be living there more often. <laughs> well, even then, I mean, it's, yeah. it's Bush has a ranch, Gore has a mansion. Yeah. Um, and it's an energy inefficient mansion. But so anyway, so anyway, he uses much more, but he, he can get away with that because he buys carbon credits yeah. from himself. And, and that is money that goes and sits in a place, theoretically, to be invested at some point in the time of the future. However, there's no regulation whatsoever on how that has to be used. It's not like, you're, you're, that, that's not like your money goes to pay for some solar panels on somebody's house. Right. That's not what happens. It's not a direct continuation. And because oh. of this, I liken it to the... And, and the government has accepted this and said, okay, well, if you buy carbon credits, you can get away with it. You know, you've offset you know, 10 zillion tons of carbon dioxide in the air yeah. because you paid $20 to a guy on the street which is about how, effect, how effective it actually is. What is it? Uh, um, American Airlines? One, one, of these, one of the airline companies, um, uh, Matt Legler's dad actually told me this yesterday, um, they're now giving their passengers an optional carbon tax, essentially, mm -hmm. or whatever. Sure, yeah. So you can, you can add an additional cost to your already inordinately priced plane ticket. Fly Southwest. In order to kind of remove your own guilt for flying. Yes. Yes. And that's what it is. And the, the key word here is guilt. Because there's no little... There's Texas Tech Bookstore back over here. I think they're closed on Sundays. Are they? Yeah. Which is sad because I would love to get one of these for you and show them. Have, I don't know what they're called, like carbon footprint chocolate bars. And it's a chocolate bar that for, you know, three bucks comes with enough carbon offsets to set, offset the 133 pounds of carbon that you put every day. <laughs> so you buy one of these chocolate bars every day and you'll offset your carbon. And you'll be, you know, zero. You'll, you'll be zero carbon efficient, uh, carbon neutral. There's the carbon term. neutral. Carbon yeah, neutral. Yeah. Without actually being carbon neutral, you won't actually, you know, reduce the amount of carbon you produce, or even effectively make it go away somewhere else with your money. It just goes into somebody's pocket. Yeah. Um, it, it's and so I liken it to the the old Catholic indulgences. Where the priest would come to your door and say, you have sinned, please give me $100 and you will be saved. 
essentially, you know, we'll, we'll get, uh, we'll pray for you after you yeah. die. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that your time in limbo is reduced mm -hmm. by X number of years for how I, much I, you pay. I don't know that much about Catholicism. But I don't know what the, what the going rate on limbo years is these days with the economy and all, but... Uh, well, don't use the U.S. dollar. Go back to the euro or right, something. Right, right. We're going to have to, want to translate the currency, but it's exactly, that's a perfect analogy because it, it really is the, the, um, the, the religious uh, environmental, religio-environmental authority structure as it is right now is kind of going out there and saying, you know, if you want to be a good upstanding citizen of the world, if you want to be a, a, good, a good practicer of the, the religion of environmentalism, then uh, here, here's our own version of, of indulgences. Yeah, you got it, Jed? Oh. <laughs> good question. Who will be the Martin Luther from the chat room? I don't know. Uh, I would, I would like to nominate Penn and Teller, although they would hate any religious affiliation whatsoever. Right now, the, the control of the environmental lobby is just so comprehensive and so mm -hmm. overbearing it, that to speak out against any environmental cause is equated with speaking out against the environment. Yes. If you're not in favor of environmental organizations or movements, then you hate the earth, basically, yeah. and you're an oil lobbyist, and you're, you're just a you're going to destroy mm -hmm. the planet, pretty much. Interesting, interesting book um, reference. Uh, Michael Crichton's State of Fear. Um, one, of the few, one of the lesser successful Michael Crichton books because it does speak out against environmentalism and the environmentalist lobby. And, and mind you, you know, it turns into a terrorist plot because it's a Michael Crichton book. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff he talks about is very, is very interesting. It's, only, it's a 2005 book, I want to say. And so we've gained more information then. However, some of the statistics he points out and the, the anomalies in how we've determined that global warming is happening or that climate change is happening are less than accurate. Yeah. Um, and sure, we can, we've gained more information, so I'm not up to date on it. But the stuff in there makes you go, huh. And it's a lot of fudging numbers and looking at things in a certain light to make it seem like we're killing the world. Yeah. Also, environmentalists are terrorists. <laughs> Eco-terrorism. That's, that's a thing. Um, in, uh, in Quantum of Solace, the, the latest James Bond movie, that's kind of a, a tied-in theme. Uh, the, the main supervillain is head of this, this big environmental group, and he has this big fundraiser party in Milan or something with a bunch of rich people signing checks for whatever yeah. over to him basically and what he's doing is turning around and buying all the water in some small south american country so that he can control it and tax it and basically exploit the people okay the, the evil villain in the new james bond movie wants to control water yes that's his evil plan that's his evil plan because Makes me glad think I didn't about see it. the movie. Think about it. You can't. I mean, we can live without oil, but you can't live without water. What happened to doomsday devices? <laughs> hey, Goldeneye, laser from the space. A water shortage can kill just about as many people as a nuclear. Yeah, weapon. a water shortage in South America can kill the people of South America or South Africa. <laughs> All right. A laser from space can kill everybody from space. <laughs> it's to me. <laughs> I think it was a good choice because it's a it's a more. Um, relatable plot, I think. You know, we watch the old James Bond movies, and it's like, oh, that's quaint, you know, Space mega laser. Lasers. But we can see things like this happening. We can see, you know, water uh, embezzlement, essentially. Okay, rabbit trail <laughs> time. The Bond movies have basically tried to become more and more like Jason Bourne films since the Bourne films came out, and I think that's hurting the franchise. Bourne films are Bourne films. Bourne films are spy films in a realistic setting with wacky events and, you know, amnesia. Bond <laughs> films were never realistic. 
They Never. still aren't. I mean, some of the things he does with his car are just ridiculous. Yes, but, but I wish his car still had rockets. Like, that was, at least in the Pierce Brosnan movies, he, but, you know, it's one of he could just that pull that out. Freaking, the world is not enough. His car turned invisible. <laughs> and that was useful. Because it would be. Yeah. But, you know, this, this is, and that's, I think, akin more to the classic Bond of, you know, this isn't realistic. This is campy spy stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's Joel Schumacher Batman versus... Christopher Nolan, Batman. It, it's a different era. I think we, we do kind of tend toward that, you know, we want our grit, we want our realism, we want that, that sort of, that, that not completely far-fetched aspect. I blame Watchmen. Ah, uh, all right. The all right, movie, right. not the book. <laughs> the book was responsible for that in the, in the comic industry in the 80s. However, you know, Watchmen and Dark Knight, which we've talked about already, are somewhat uh, Dark responsible. Dark Knight set the precedent, I think. Uh, yeah. It was... It was it was kind of the first of the gritty like serious superhero yeah, movies, wasn't just, it? Ah, uh, uh, whatever. It's okay. Too much. It's too much. It's too much. Any well, any other articles you wanted to bring uh, up in here this week? Yeah. No. I, one more thing on the campus green plan. This is the green campus discussions. It doesn't say where this list came from. I think it's just made up. Like it doesn't say these were what was discussed at the you know symposium. These are just things. Green campus discussions. Water resource issues. Wind engineering. Landscape. Recycling. Student housing, design thinking, water. Note, we've already had water resource issues on this list. Purchasing green, green jobs, campus environment, not to be confused with landscaping. Wind to wheels, again, not to be confused with wind engineering, already mentioned. Energy efficient buildings, green athletics, solid waste, bicycles, green education, Operating green, not to be confused with energy efficient buildings or purchasing green or green jobs. Green campus life, not the same as resident housing. And interior design, not the same as design thinking. It, it's buzzwords. It, 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 this it's is a, a list of your favorite green, green Party buzzwords. Yeah. Remember when the Green Party used to be about pot? <laughs> I think you should get back to that. It's a good single issue. <laughs> I don't know if the Green Party is not. Can you, can you zoom in on it? Can they read the list? Ah. Uh. It, it just disgusts me. Like, th this is the latest trend, and it's, I, I swear, 10 years from now or 15 years from now, we're going to start seeing, like, the, all these Ponzi schemes start to fall in the same way that Madoff's thing is falling now. And it will just be embarrassing for all of these organizations and all these celebrities and all these, these you know, green initiatives. It's going to be yeah. like, oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not buying into it. I still don't know that I believe in global warming because I don't think there's enough consensus out there. There isn't. There's enough loud consensus. Yeah. There's a lot of people saying, this is real, this is real, this is real, this is real. Al Gore says it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real. But that does not create a scientific consensus. No. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're just looking at such a small sliver of the, the total history. Well, of we've only been accurately, like we've only been able to accurately measure temperature for 100 years. Yeah. And so that's all we're basing it on. And we've only been on that, and we can't even do that, you know, worldwide measure it. We, we measure it where people are. Yeah. And, well, and you and look like at the past. Ice core samples, like all of yeah. it, you know, looking into the past, that's, you know, varying reliability because you're looking at, like. There's uh, more than one variable there. Yeah, there's more it's than one variable. It's hard to get a controlled variable. It's, it's really, you're not directly measuring temperature. You're measuring other factors that relate mm -hmm. to temperature. And I, I don't know. So it, global warming may not be real, but carbon credits sure are, and they're a waste of your money. <laughs> and that's the final word so uh, for this week at Texas Tech slash Bad Philosophy <laughs> we've got another episode uh, done here um, 
next week we'll be back hopefully with a uh, with a guest on the show rather than just the uh, the Kevin show. Although it was good, I think I enjoyed uh, it. I think we have a good balance now. Um, any any questions from the chat room before we uh, wrap things up completely? Negative. Negative. No, no more right. fun comments. Well, thank you for watching and or listening to Bad Philosophy. You can check us out at badphilosophy.com. Follow us at badphilosophy, twitter.com slash badphilosophy. You can follow Kevin at uh, kevsand, K-E-V-S-A-U-N-D. And follow me, S-Torrence, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. We'll see you all next time on Bad Philosophy. We'll take their money while they take a bath. I'll show them my hand and you'll show them your wrath. Oh Lord, help me take money from my friend. This is the beginning of the end. Time for post-show. Post-show. Do the post-show dance. <laughs> Careful, don't uh, don't trip on your mic. I'm aware. I know where it is. I just want to defeat them and make it make it hurt when I win. You know what else so, is vegan friendly? This is the only like thing that I'm I'm okay with. Yeah. Swedish fish are vegan friendly. Really? They're not made with gelatin. They're made with cornstarch, <laughs> and they're the only gummy fruit that is actually vegan friendly. I eat meat. I like meat a lot. I'm not a vegan, but I love Swedish fish. So you know, yeah. and, and if you don't want to eat meat, that's cool by me. <laughs> Bad Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. Check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website. Badphilosophy.com. This is real, this is real, this is real, this is real, it's real, it's real, it's real.